This is Listen Up, Home Buyers, the only podcast offering home buying advice and tips from true buyer agents. And now, here's your host, Victoria Ray Henderson. Thank you, everyone, for joining me on Listen Up, Home Buyers, the podcast that features exclusive buyer brokers and agents from all around the country. This special podcast is focused on what we are all doing during the pandemic to help our home buyers. Everyone on this podcast is a member of NABA, and they're with an exclusive buyer brokerage in the United States. I'm just going to quickly introduce everyone so you can hear who they are. We've got Mike Crowley, who is the owner broker of Spokane Home Buyers in Washington State. Hey, Mike. Hello. We've got Benjamin Clark. He is the principal broker with Home Buyer Representation in Salt Lake City, Utah. Hey, guys. We have Ramsey Corey with Help You Buy America, and they're based in Texas, and he is in Houston. Hey, Ramsey. Hey, hey, how are you all? Good. Thanks for joining us. And Andy DeFelice, she is the broker of Exclusive Buyers Realty in Savannah, Georgia. I know. Margaret Levinson with Elica Associates in New York City. Rich Rosa, the co-founder of Buyers Brokers Only, and they serve Massachusetts, New Hampshire, and Rhode Island. Hey, everybody. Rich Hardy, who is the broker with Hardy Realty Group in Chicago. Hi, good afternoon. I'm Victoria Ray Henderson, an associate broker with Buyers Edge. We're based in Bethesda, Maryland, uh, Washington, D.C., and sometime after the pandemic, we will have an office in Northern Virginia. To kick off this, what are we doing during the pandemic? I was going to start with our friend to the West. Uh, Mike Crowley, what has been happening in your neck of the woods in Spokane? Um, Spokane, Washington, I think as far as probably one of the biggest destinations in the United States right now. We have people moving in here from everywhere. Um, just in the last year, I've had people moving from Las Vegas, Phoenix, California, Missouri, Alaska, Vancouver, Washington. Um, and they're writing offers on home site unseen, which is, I mean, I've done that historically, maybe once every five, seven years. It's usually with somebody that's met me. We've looked at houses, they have to leave town and, they have a feel for what I what I what I will help them find, but uh, this is different this year. I have people that I am writing offers on houses that have never met me, uh, never looked at homes with me in Spokane, and most houses are selling for at least five, if not 10, 11, 12 percent over list price. So we do have a category that I tell my clients there are homes that you might buy, but there are only a handful of homes that I will let you buy sight unseen. So that's kind of the million dollar question is they will say, okay, looks like a good home. And I'll say, yes, it is a good home. And now they know, but is this one I should buy sight unseen? And I'm really careful about how I do that. Um, but we're finding them and there are sight unseen homes. And when I go through the homes, I don't have to pick out the positive things. And I tell them, I'm not worried about you moving to Spokane and calling me at two in the morning and complaining about the really nice refrigerator, the beautiful view out the back deal. But you will call and complain if it turns out, you know, there's a train that's going by or the bus comes by every 20 minutes or uh, just any little thing. So I, I go through these homes with a really hard look at the negative things. And I don't, I, I really don't have to tell them anything about the positives because the only reason we're going to look at it is we've already decided what the positives are. My job's to go in to make sure what the negative things are. Yeah, and so there, there's a lot to unpack there. Is anybody else doing sight unseen purchases with their buyers? Andy, I, I, you, did you want to comment on? No, you? I will, what I wanted to ask Mike is how are these clients finding you, Mike? Do they Google BBA in Seattle and that's how they find you? Yeah, if you're not 
That's some, you know, a guy, uh, we got a lead in our office last week and somebody uh, just called our office and he's asked about two homes and wrote one of them, cash, sight unseen, uh, home inspections this afternoon. We have a, we, we worked on our website over the plague and so we've got a pretty good people coming to our website right now, which is probably, we're all busier than we need to be. So that's a nice thing. Um, we do show some homes in person. So as far as a statewide deal, and it'll be interesting to hear what you guys are doing. When this first started, we could show one person at a time. That wasn't very fun because the spouse would sit in the car. Then we got to two people at a time. And as of about a week ago, we can now have four people in the house with us at a time. So uh, it was kind of nice when the family-in-laws couldn't come look at the house or all the kids couldn't race through the house. So there were some pluses to it. I haven't washed my car as much because I can't drive people around in my car. So I have to remind myself, I still like to have a clean car. Yeah. I just don't clean it every day anymore. But um, so, yeah, so it's nice. It feels like we're getting back to normal aside from wearing masks all the time. But to be able to have the, the both couple or a couple in the house and the kids in the house is kind of a nice, feels like we're getting back to normal, even though we don't know what will happen come the cold weather and stuff. So, so they're, they're letting you have more than just two people in a house when you're viewing? Okay, yeah. Which is nice with the home inspections because with the home inspector, I could tell my clients, you two can be there or I can be there with one of you, but all four of us were not allowed to be in the house during a home inspection. Yeah. And that, that was hard for me too because I like to be there. Yeah, it's crazy. It really yeah. is. I mean, so, all right, well, Ben, uh, Ben Clark in Salt Lake City, Utah, what, what's been going on with, with you and your buyers right now? So similar to Mike, we started out where we could only have one buyer in the house at a time. And uh, uh, I do miss, one of the things I miss the most about doing real estate during this pandemic is having them in the car with me because there's a lot, you know, especially if we're going out and we're looking at multiple homes um, and there is, especially when you're brand new with a client, we've done Zoom calls and things like that. But there's nothing like that time between houses when you can discuss what they liked, what they didn't like, you know, are, are we meeting their expectations, just talking about the market. Um, all of that is really good time with the clients mm -hmm. that makes it easier for me to help them accomplish the goals that they're trying to accomplish. So uh, that's something I miss a lot about doing real estate here. But uh, you know, we were declared an essential service like we like real estate was in many states. I mean, people do need to buy homes and people do need to sell homes. And uh, we've been wearing the gloves and the masks and using the sanitizer and the booties if people want us to do that. Um, our market is really hot. I think that's pretty much nationwide. You know, I'm sure there are pockets where it's not quite so heavy. Um, we try not to write offers on homes we haven't seen, but we are, you know, depending on our price range of our clients, if they're in that super hot market, what I'm trying to do so that we're not wasting time. I've got clients who will sometimes be looking over an hour outside of where my office is and outside of where my clients are looking. Since people can live further away from work right now, the, the area that they're looking in for a home is bigger than I think it's been in the past. They don't have to go into the office, but maybe a couple times a month. And so they're willing to live further away from work than they were a year ago. Mm -hmm. And uh, so what I'm finding to be uh, helpful for us so that we're not running out, you know, two hours of our day to go look at the newest listing that's going to have 25 offers on it by the end of the day. 
I'm trying to run a pre-market analysis, kind of a quick analysis on things because we're running into the phenomenon of there are a few homes that are overpriced and they still may get multiple offers, but we're running into homes that are significantly underlisted. Uh, and my buyers get all excited. Hey, I can buy this home at you know this price when in reality, there's no chance it's going to fit in their price range. And so uh, after a month or two of running around crazy, putting offers in and getting beat by sometimes 40, 50,000 because the listing agent listed them way too low. Right. Uh, I started doing that and that's helped my clients and I save a lot of wasted time, yeah. you know, yeah. and even having conversations with agents, you know, when I do that quick analysis, I call them up and I say, you know, do you know that you're priced at this range? You know, obviously we don't want to weaken our buyers negotiating position, but uh, sometimes they're just so out of whack. And I've even had listing agents tell me, yeah, I'm sorry, I work for a team and our strategy is to really underlist it and get 45 offers. Right. Um, but the problem is 35 of those 45 offers are buyers who can't qualify for what it's ultimately going to go for. Right. And they're, if you add up all the wasted time and the frustration and the lives that they're you know, essentially uh, playing with by mm -hmm. listing the homes improperly. Uh, it's kind of a big, you know, eyesore, I guess, on the industry. Yeah. Um, even you don't have to underprice a home in this market to get multiple offers yeah. in general. Um, and I'm also finding yeah. that if I can get my clients pre-approved with, uh, you know, a three-week closing, some lenders are 45, 60 days out, um, but we're able to get the homes when they bounce back after they don't appraise because you'll have buyers that'll even say, you know, other buyers, buyers you're competing with that'll say, oh, we'll go X over the appraisal. We'll pay 10, 15 over the appraised value. Well, most of my clients, especially in the price range where you need to do that, can't do that. You know, they're getting a loan and they don't want to just throw an extra 15,000 at it. So uh, we end up trying to get those homes on the rebound when they don't appraise because even buyers who say they'll waive the appraisal, they'll quickly get that appraisal done during the due diligence period and say they're canceling for some other reason when in reality they realize, hey, we're wasting a ton of money here. Yeah, we, we don't want to go, yeah. they get buyer's remorse. So how many of you are finding, number one, that obviously the housing inventory all across the country is low, but how many, what, what are the most number of competitive offers that you've been in? Like, let's go around Rich Rosa, you know, had, what was what was a, a big number that you had to deal with? Well, actually, it wasn't recently. A couple of years ago, um, I had a situation where there was 22 offers on a place. Uh, it was listed for 535, and it sold for 640. So it went 105 over, yeah. uh, and there was 22 offers. But that was actually a few years ago. In the Boston area, the, the inventory has been low for years now. It's not something that just start, uh, started the last six months. I mean. COVID uh, made it worse um, for sure, but we had pretty tight inventory. We've had pretty tight inventories for at least two or three years now. Yeah. It's gone down in the boss in, in, in Massachusetts as a whole uh, inventory has gone down um, basically every month for about eight and a half years. So you cover New Hampshire and Rhode Island too, right? I mean, just outside of, not myself, but my company. Yeah, your company. So yeah. is it the same there as well? I mean, or is it, are we just talking about areas that are around cities being, is it getting any better for buyers if they're farther so, out? So Southern New Hampshire is sort of like greater Boston. And so is 
you know, Pro- Providence is, is only about an hour from Boston. Okay. Uh, Providence, Rhode Island. So it's, it's all sort of a, kind of a similar market. Yeah. Um, so Western Massachusetts, you know, way West towards Albany, New York, isn't like Boston and Northern New Hampshire is not anything like Southern New Hampshire. Yeah. Um, yeah. But Rhode Island is, I mean, you could drive through the state of Rhode Island, you know, if you blink, you'll miss it. You know, I so forget how close all that yeah. is until it's, I get up there. Yeah. And, oh my God, I've gone through two States, you know? Right. Um, so uh, Margaret, uh, the, the big topic that's been all over the place, you know, everything that I've read, everybody's moving out of New York city. You know, is that true? Well, um, there has been an exodus of, I would say, two kinds of, of people. Um, I would say um, uh, families with ch- school-aged children. Um, so there's really been a big exodus of that. And, Is that uh, recent, that, though? Excuse me? Is that something that's recent, like during the pandemic? Yes, very okay. suddenly. All right. I mean, some of the – in the – in May, I went into a, a condo in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, where the egg carton was still on the, on the shelf. I mean, people really ran out of, some people really ran out of the city. Um, and so um, the kind of uh, two-bedroom two apartments in, um, in the better neighborhoods, um, there's a lot of vacancies there. Um, the other exodus, which is something that has been going on for a long time, are investors in Midtown. Um, so investors are just dumping their condos, uh, especially in Midtown. And I mean, actually, for me, this has opened up. I, I work with a lot of first-time buyers, so it's really opened up a lot of great opportunities um, for um, people looking for two-bedroom apartments, maybe people who are planning to have children, and then um, uh office workers. Um, one of my clients uh, works for the UN. She has to go to the UN in person. She's a translator. She bought an electric bike. Uh, she's living in Bushwick right now, but she wants to be in Midtown. So it's a great opportunity for her. The prices in Midtown are very, very low. They're lower than they are in Brooklyn. So it's kind of a Copernican, uh, Copernican revolution. But there's definitely a market there. And so... Um, so these people who are exiting, is, it, is part of it due to the, the, the exposure to the virus? I mean, is they don't want to be in an elevator. They don't want to be touching, you know, like, is it that kind of an exodus? Or no. Everything? It's just, no, yeah. I think it's about their kids. I mean, New Yorkers are really sensitive about their kids' education. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, I mean, it's a very, people are very competitive. I mean, maybe all over the country they are, but especially in New York, they're just super competitive. You know, they'll choose choose they'll pay many hundreds of thousand dollars more to be in a better school district than not in a school district so um you know for 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 these parents you know and there's always a compromise maybe the the child is not going to school in their own neighborhood so um now that there's just just no school going on in in new york city no in-person school it was just they just move right out to the suburbs and if they were affluent enough to have like a summer home or a family home i mean people really took their kids kids out and I think with the with with it mostly being educational and children. Yeah. Okay. Guys, I just want to take a moment and say you can jump in here. It's not just me asking questions. If you've got a question for anybody who's talking at any time, just you know, just ask. Um, uh, okay, so um, Rich Hardy um, in the Chicago area, 
you know, what's happening in your market? I'm sure it's crazy competitive, just like it is everywhere else. But what else is going on? It is crazy competitive, um, just like everybody else is explaining. A couple different things here. So I'm in the northern suburbs of Chicago, Highland Park, Lake Forest. For years, these markets have been dead. I mean, there has been no activity. Talk on the street is always about how much inventory there is because nobody wants these larger estate homes. They want uh, smaller empty nester properties. And with taxes being what they are in, in Illinois, uh, you know, new buyers are no longer coming out to some of the suburbs. And so when the pandemic first hit, um, I was very busy in the city uh, with a lot of first time home buyers. And then as the pandemic wore on, all of a sudden we began to see this shift into these communities where nobody was buying, um, you know, out in the north suburbs, northwest suburbs. And inventory has gone down, I mean, has just dried up overnight. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is, you know, we're on the construction side of things as well. So as we're looking at homes, we're looking at condition, and our clients are looking at us to really give them a an accurate report of what a home is really providing them in terms of long-term um, investment. And we passed on a lot of these homes for our clients because of, of you know, maybe roofs that were cedar shake and they were going to need $50,000 worth of work in, in three to five years. And then now all of a sudden these homes that have sat on the market for years are gone. And we're, we're kind of sitting back and wondering whether or not, um, some of these buyers are really aware of exactly what they're what they're getting themselves into into a long term investment. Yeah, but um, you know, so that's what what we're seeing here is that uh, communities that uh, have sat uh, dormant for a long time are now very hot. Mm -hmm. um, in the city, um, some great opportunities um, because uh, people are leaving um, mm -hmm. very quickly for a variety of reasons: schools, the pandemic, just to get out into more. Um, open spaces. Um, so, so to be clear, you're seeing you're seeing people moving out of the city. You think? Yeah, I'm, we're yeah. seeing we're seeing people that might have made another move into the city. You know, maybe from their first condo to another larger condo, and then to the suburbs yeah. are now skipping maybe that interim purchase and coming straight out. Um, and then they're um, in terms of. Uh, some first-time home buyers. I think we're still we're seeing some opportunities created by these vacancies, like Margaret just mentioned, yeah. that um, are are now an opportunity for some first-time home buyers that might want to take a chance on, on getting into one of these condos. And with rates lower, they're getting into a little bit more home right. than they would have normally. I wanted to oh yeah go talk ahead to, to something Rich said. Um, there are a lot of homes that come up and, and I tell my clients that if you have a terrible home, you can sell that in this market. There are, you know, you can sell anything in this market. And so as buyers, especially those first time buyers, they need to be very careful. And this is where it's important to have an agent on your side because I've seen homes that have mold issues in the attic and uh, in the, you know, structural issues coming on the market. Uh, bad roofs, like you said, things that can cost, you know, tens of thousands, if not more. Uh, and other buyers are snatching them up. I don't know if they're ignorant or I have to presume that they're ignorant and their agent isn't really looking out for their best interest because I've my clients from 
buying a home that came back on the market, like we said. Uh, I got a copy of the inspection report. It had mold in the attic, mold here. I said to my clients, you know, you've got all these issues that you can't necessarily see when you're just going through an open house. Uh, and they decided not to do it. And it went right back under contract, you know, mm-hmm. to somebody else. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and Andy, Andy has proved too that people are moving out of Chicago because I know that uh, she's working with three people. I keep getting texts from Andy telling me, thank you for sending another person my way. Yeah, I do encourage you. Any of y'all that want to send them down my way, people love to come to Savannah. <laughs> we appreciate that, Rich, a lot. Absolutely. Ramsey, I wanted to give you a chance to, to tell us about Houston. You know, what's going on? When I, I've been to Houston a few times, it feels like it's the suburb that never ends. So what, what's happening? Yeah. So, so we don't have zoning here, as you know. And uh, 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 we have a ton of builders. Uh, people have been building. They, they find us an empty spot next to the city and they start building. So empty spots are getting snagged up very quickly. Um, there are a lot of new construction buyers. I've had uh, plenty of new construction buyers even before the pandemic. Uh, th- that's the reason that's co- uh, one of the reasons that's causing the low inventory here. It's because people prefer newer houses versus older, mm-hmm. especially in the, inside the city. As you go towards the suburb, uh, the new construction uh, uh, is different than the city. The city we have... Uh, uh, we're more townhome oriented. As you go towards the suburb, it's more uh, house oriented. You get more space, uh, one story, two story houses with the big yards. Uh, in Texas, we have huge yards. Uh, we're famous for that uh, because we love barbecuing. So, and. Uh, <laughs> And uh, uh, what I've noticed is during the pandemic is that uh, right before the World Health Organization said, you know, declared it a pandemic, uh, I had a couple of buyers who were looking uh, at houses and we had pretty decent inventory at that time. It's still low comparatively to the, uh, to, to when, you know, we have good inventory. I mean, we've had low inventory for years, uh, but uh, as we were, you know, uh, looking at houses, we started offering uh, way lower than the, the asking at that point. You know, it was in March and April. Uh, it was, I guess, people were panicking. Uh, I, I, of course, I, I like to side with the buyers, right? So I told my buyer, you know, uh, we can take advantage of this. I, 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 I don't want to sound evil here, but I am on the buyer's side. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what we did is we offered the lowest price we would think of. And uh, believe it or not, I've had two clients with, I did that with two clients and the seller uh, took it. Love it. And uh, the funny part, actually it's not funny, but the, 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 the market started to increase around May and June. That's when it started getting very hot here in Houston where uh People, uh, where there were multiple offers on one property. Uh, and that's where I actually lost some clients because we couldn't, uh, we, uh, the better option was to wait until the market calmed down mm-hmm. because we did not want to overpay for a house. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if it, uh, we don't want to go over appraisal, right? So like, uh, 
my other colleague said, you know, uh, based on, you know, uh, we don't want to have, we don't want to have appraisal issues or uh, come into a situation and that before. So I, what I use is I use my CMA beforehand, but sometimes the agents don't listen because there are people overbidding. Some people have cash. Yeah. We have a lot of people from New York and uh, uh, California come in with cash. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they they don't need an appraisal. <laughs> so they don't need a lender. They don't need any of that. So they buy the house they like with the highest uh, price. Yeah. So we've, it, 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 there's multiple situations that we've been in. Right now, it's slowing down a bit, but it's still very hot. Uh, many sellers are asking over market. Uh, luckily, uh, it, it is slowing down. Uh, the winter in Houston is always slower than the summer. Uh, it's been going on for ten more than 10 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for my clients who got frustrated with the multiple offer scenario, I told them, you know, we can try again in the winter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that's a good strategy. Yeah. I mean, that's the only thing we can do, you know. Yeah. How many? They're still building. Uh, there's high demand for that. So yeah, go yeah. ahead. Yeah, Ben, what have you got? Yeah, make sure I'm unmuted here. One of the things he talked about was new construction. And I've found, I've got three clients building new construction right now. Mm-hmm. And since we've gone under contract, they've already got 10, 20,000 in equity because the builders keep raising their prices. So right. if they're first in a subdivision or at the beginning of a subdivision, there's a great right. opportunity to get some equity. And again, and super important you know, during that process, instead of working with the builder's agent, um, and so I've, I'm doing really well with them and I'm representing them and we're making sure that they're building them a quality home. One thing that you'll find in most markets where building is rampant, and that's the case here in Salt Lake, they can't build homes fast enough for the number of households being created here. Um, but when building is going crazy, the quality of construction tends to go down. And so it's even more important for them to have someone on their side. So when something goes wrong, which it inevitably will in a new construction project, that's just the nature of it. uh, They have someone who they can openly talk to and who can take their side and say, no, you're not being uh, picky by bringing that up. That's not right. We need to go make that builder make that right. Yeah. In the Washington DC area, you know, we cover this huge area and we have a couple of clients buying new construction, one up toward Baltimore, one just outside of uh, Washington DC. And inevitably, every time we have a home inspection, our inspector finds things, sometimes big things, you know, things that are wrong with the HVAC or things that are wrong behind like a pre-drywall inspection. And you know, if you don't have that extra set of eyes and people on your side, that they it would have just gotten caught up with, you know, with everything else and it would have been missed. But Or, or um, the builder will tell them it's okay and it's yeah, not okay. And so absolutely. if they're there just with the builder's agent, they don't know. You know, we've right. helped a lot of clients with new construction. I was the general contractor on my own home. I know Rich Hardy does a lot of uh, mm-hmm. construction he's been uh, or is part of a construction yeah. business so in Chicago right we know things that uh, you know the typical person doesn't necessarily know if it's a problem or not and if they're told by a builder that something's okay and for the most part people believe them yeah, and right. you hear all the stories after closing right. in new construction neighborhoods of all the stuff that went on to you know on the Facebook pages 
about the builder cutting a corner here and there. And then the buyers just don't know that, that they don't know those things. Right. Are yeah. They don't know what they don't know. Rich Hardy, what do you, what do you want to share about that? Yeah. I, I think uh, just trying to make sure that you're staying ahead of that pace of, of the frenzy so that you're, you're able to provide that accurate information for your clients and making sure that they don't have any buyer's remorse after, after they've, you know, after all the dust settles, because you're you're moving at such a quick pace um, in this market that you really need to make sure that um, you're providing information at, at rapid speed so that you can keep your buyer in the right house. But once they close, that they're confident that they made the right decision. Yeah, I find that sometimes that, you, you know, with your buyers, what you're doing is actually trying to to manage their expectations and you're trying to make sure that they don't get caught up in the frenzy of wanting to, to, you know, they, they might in the moment want to pay more for something and then again, have that buyer's remorse. But a big, a big part of it is, you know, that balance of protecting and also being competitive. So Rich Rosa, you know, in the Boston area, what are, what are you seeing when you're in that scenario where you're, where you're trying to be competitive, you want to protect your buyer well, I think along the lines of of, of, of advising clients in, in this market, I think that one of the things that I've been telling clients for a few years now, because the market's been going up for a few years in, in, in the Boston area, and it's really the case now, is I explain to people that if you think you're going to have to move in two or three years, you probably shouldn't be buying a house. Um, because this is not going to last forever. You know, mar- you know, markets don't just keep going up. Uh, they, they level off and they come down and there's ups and downs. So I tell people, when people ask about, well, what do you think of the market? Should I buy a house? I, I simply say, look, if, if you think there's any chance you're going to have to move in two or three years uh, because for personal reasons or for work reasons, then you probably shouldn't buy a house. If you could hang in there for eight or 10 years, you'll probably ride out any sort of ups and downs uh, that might come your way. Uh, so that's, I think, an important piece of it is just understanding that you're buying uh, potentially at the top of the market. I mean, although I would have thought that the market would have calmed down in the Boston area a couple of years ago, it still hasn't, but eventually it will. Um, and if you know you buy at the top and you've got to move in a couple of years, you may find yourself in a in a yeah. spot that you don't want to be in. So that's one of the pieces of advice I, I give people. I have been giving people over the last few years now is to be really careful if, if you think you're not going to be able to stick stay in the house for a while. Mike Crowley, what are you telling buyers in Spokane? It's the same thing. I basically say real estate is no longer a short term investment. I think the downturn in two thousand seven, two thousand eight those people that lost were all people that were in it for short-term investments, whether it be Florida, Arizona, Las Vegas, California. And I say, I'm not saying that you can't make money short-term, but if you're buying it for a short-term investment, be prepared to lose it as well. And uh, so same thing, two, three, four years, it's just a risk you're taking. But mm-hmm. anything after that, it's, a, it's an excellent long-term investment. Buy as soon as you can and never sell again unless you're buying something else. That's what I tell people. And anybody want to take a stab at what they think is going to happen in the next six months or a year? Uh, so uh, I think that uh, uh, here in Houston, especially with low rates, uh, the demand is, is going to be uh, even higher next summer, mm-hmm. uh, especially with uh, if they find a vaccine and uh, things will start going back to normal, rates are low. I think it's it's going to be a while before we see it drop in price. That's my opinion. 
Okay. Uh, Andy, what's your thought? Uh, what's going to happen in Savannah? Well, we've been covered up. And what's funny to me is I'm getting so many clients manically looking for exclusive buyer representation. I love that. Then we're starting to realize what they need. So our market has been the last, we thought we were going to be dead when the pandemic hit. We can't keep up. So our two new agents. So we've got coverage now, which is okay. great. Um, I don't see it slowing down even. From what I'm talking with other agents and just across the market, I think we're going to stay pretty steady at least through the end of the year. If the rates stay down, we've got a huge military presence in Savannah, and we've got a whole bunch of troops coming in in February. Mm-hmm. So that's going to bring even more buyers into our market. And there's a push now to get them to invest in Savannah. And keep them. Okay. So I think we're going to stay strong. I hope we need to. Rich Rosa, what's happening in Boston, or what do you think is going to happen? You know, I, I, I can't imagine uh, the market's going to swing to a buyer's market anytime soon. I mean, like I said earlier, it's been about eight years of inventory decline statewide. Um, and, um, you know, in, there's communities where there's less than a month of inventory. Um, there's communities that have, you know, 20,000, 30,000 people. And there's, you know, 12 houses on the market at any given time. Uh, so I think it's going to, you know, I think we'd have to, to really see a slowdown uh, in the economy or something else that is going to trigger uh, a buildup in inventory. And until we see that, I can't see how the market shifts. I mean, a lot of people, when the pandemic, you know, first hit, they said, hey, Rich, what do you think? I mean, you know, people, you know, a million people lost their job just in Massachusetts. Do you think that's going to slow down the market? And of course, I think everybody thought, well, yeah, maybe it will. But as it turns out that, you know, especially in a place like Massachusetts where there's so many tech workers, so many people working in, in, in the, you know, software industry, in the computer industry, uh, in biotech, these are all people that could work from home. They didn't lose their jobs. Um, and then we have a really big, you know, uh, you know, medical community, lots of hospitals. And so these people were essential workers and they didn't lose their jobs either. So it had, you know, even though the the economy took a big hit, it had very little impact on the lives, the working lives anyway, uh, of the people who are buying houses. So um, I I think it's hard hard to predict. I mean, anything could happen, but we'd have to see a lot more inventory hit the market before we saw any kind of shift. Yeah, and so many people are so concerned, and rightly so, about having strangers come into their house and, you know, walk all around, shoes on and, and, and whatnot. Um, anybody want to add, uh, we could go around, you know, add last-minute thoughts, anything that wasn't said that you want to make sure gets tossed in here? I think that, you know, one of the things that um, Ben in uh, Salt Lake City mentioned was that people were sort of uh, casting a wider net when they were looking at houses, uh, you know, farther from, from the city. And I'm seeing that as well. A lot of clients have come to me who probably would have tried to stay within a half an hour uh, commute to Boston or Cambridge where there was a lot of, you know, jobs obviously. And now they're saying, well, their employers are telling them that even when this is over, they're probably only going to go to the office one or two days a week. So that's really shifted their their mindset in terms of, you know, well, if I only have to commute far for one or two days a week, I don't mind, you know, go being an hour outside of the city as opposed to 30 minutes outside the city. So we've seen that sort of uh, shift here. I think one thing, and I think you touched on a little bit, 
especially when we're dealing with these markets that we are seeing multiple offer situations, and we're seeing it here as well. As agents, we really have to help our clients set very realistic expectations. Nothing more disappointing than making the offer on the house of your dreams, and it's not going to happen. I mean, I have conversations with my clients all the time. You have to have a way to walk away. You have to have that number in your mind where you can say, I did the best I can. It's not going to work at this number. I'm going to walk away. And funnily, enough, I've had four or five deals come back to me that we've lost because we weren't the best money-wise offer. Whatever they took fell apart, and the agents will call me back and say, are your guys still interested? And they've ended up with the house that they thought was the house of their dreams, and it actually is. So just talk and, and make realistic expectations with your clients so you're all on the same page, and nobody's getting disappointed or frustrated. It's so important to make sure that your clients are choosing lenders who understand the timelines. We've had deals mm -hmm. almost fall apart and one fall apart because somebody wanted that great rate that, you know, this national, you know, lender that we could never talk to on the phone could promise them. And that is one of the saddest things to see is everything, everybody's on the same page um, except the lender. And, um, and, and that's why I frequently, you know, obviously it's the buyer's choice, whatever they want to go with, whoever they want to choose for so many things, whether it's the home inspection, the lender and all these things. But, um, it's important for everybody to understand that those deadlines, the appraisal, the financing, when they're not met, you know, you, you run the risk of being in default. Are you, are you guys short of appraisers? I hear that, that appraisers are busy. We haven't heard we're short of them in DC. Really? We are told if, if they can't close anything under 45 days here right now, but requires days. So and, and, being able, and being able to educate the sellers. Now, you know, we're, bef we're before you were strong because you were coming in in 30 days and now you're still strong because you're coming in 45 and you know, you're going to come in in 45 rather than somebody who's promising, uh, promising 30 days. And that's the thing too, with the online lenders, I literally had a client last month who had been approved all the way up until two days prior to closing and then he wasn't approved because he was online. I put him with one of my lenders and he closed within nine days, but he had sold his home, had his truck packed with the wife and the dogs and was moving to Savannah. Fortunately, the house we were buying was already vacant and the seller was gracious enough to let him move in early, which I hate for all kinds of reasons, but in that case, it worked out too well. But you've really got, and I have conversations with my the online lenders, and you've really got to look at the service that you get. And the fact that I can walk into the office of a lender and say, what is going on, holds a lot of weight to me. It and does. it shows my buyer's strength as well. I like to be able to pick the phone up and know the guy I'm talking to and know where his office is. So there's a lot to be said for fish a little bit with the online stuff so you know what questions to ask. Come home to a lender that's local, that knows our market, knows our flood zones. I mean, Savannah's got some pretty intricate little areas that you've got to really know about. And lenders out in wherever don't understand. That's a really good point. Rich Rosa next and then Ben Clark. Go ahead. Rich? Yeah, I think two points about the lenders. One is it's not, um, you know, the other issue is we talk about how these, these national lenders don't provide uh, customer service. They don't provide, uh, they don't meet deadlines. And I tell clients that, you know, in a competitive offer situation, um, the listing agents know this too. And so if you're using national lender and your offers may be a little bit higher than someone who's using local lender, uh, they may take the lower offer because they are, are scared that you're not going to really come Absolutely. through because you're using the national lender. 
And then uh, someone said something, I think it was you, Victoria, about, you know, trying to get the best interest rate. What I always remind clients is that if you're going to shop around for interest rates, you have to shop around on the same day. You can't call one on one day, somebody else on Tuesday, and somebody else on Wednesday because rates change every day. So they may think they're getting a better rate, but the, the lender they're with could probably provide that same rate. It's just that they've they talked to their lender that they're, who pre-approved them you know, a few days ago, and now they're talking to someone a few days later, and, and, and rates may be dropped by an eighth of a point. Mm-hmm. But what I find is most of the lenders are all offering the same rates. It's just yeah. that if you're not calling them on the same day, you're getting uh, different quotes. So. Good point. Yeah, Ben? I think what I'm getting from this conversation, and I already know this, and you guys already know this, but as professionals, we know what's going on with lending. We know what's going on with appraising. We know what's going on on the seller's side. We know what's going on on the buyer's side. We know what's going on with inventory, uh, appreciation, bids, negotiations, whether or not you can renegotiate, whether what to do if things appraise low. We know all of this. And that's, a, again, just another reason why any buyer should really have a professional and one that knows what's going on, who can explain what's going on, and who can get to the bottom of things. You know, if, if somebody's pre-approved with a lender, but they don't know when the lender can perform by or how long appraisals are taking, you know, we know to ask these questions, but, but buyers don't know. And, and not only is it a terrible thing to get a couple days before closing and find out you don't really have a loan, but you might lose $10,000 earnest money by doing that. I mean, there are real repercussions to not getting this thing right when you're, when you're buying and selling a home. So uh, just another plug to, to get an exclusive buyer's agent, get an agent on your side who can consult with you, explain uh, like uh, Andy in, in Georgia said, set your expectations, tell you what's going to happen so that it's not stressful and confusing when, when you get into uh, a home. Like I said, I do that pre-analysis. So we know, you know, is this home going to have 45 offers and is it going to end up at this price or is it overpriced and we might have a shot to go in low? You know, it, if you if you're just shooting, I've heard agents, local agents say uh, on a on an agent Facebook page where we kind of share some information. I've heard agents say that they just tell all their clients they need to pay twenty thousand over. I think that's a terrible strategy. We <laughs> might get homes, and a lot of buyers might get homes just mm-hmm. overpaying by twenty thousand. But you don't always have to pay twenty thousand over to get a home in this market. Oh. You can get homes. I've got a client right now that's about fourteen thousand under the asking price, and we happened to get it just because we came in at a time when there was a lull in the market. There are still random weekends where open houses don't do well, or you know you've got holiday weekends and there's just not quite as much competition. And sellers actually, just like um, Rich Rosa said, this isn't going to last forever, and. When they, have, when they know, because the agent's telling them you're going to get 20 offers with, within the first day, and they're three days in and they don't have any offers, all of a sudden they get spooked a little on their side and it presents an opportunity for us sometimes to grab a really good deal. Yeah. Well, Ben Clark, I think you're going to get the last word here because we could definitely talk a lot more about what we're doing during this pandemic, no doubt. And you guys, um, I'd love for you to join me again for the Listen Up Homebuyer Pandemic podcast number two, which will be coming <laughs> coming up in a couple of months. But thank you, everybody. Thank you very much for joining us on Listen Up Homebuyers. Thank you. You guys thank are you. the best. Thank you, everyone. Bye. Bye. Good to see everybody. 
You've been listening to Listen Up, Home Buyers, the only podcast offering home buying advice and tips from true buyer agents.